Well, what would you say if I told you that you could grow a major category that's only gonna keep growing into the future with no additional stock, no additional investment, and no more space? I think you'd be saying, tell me what it is, Rob. Well, it's not gonna be me that's gonna be doing the talking. It's my guest today, John Tawadris from Think Pharmacy Kippering, who did exactly that in growing his dose administration aid business by 300% in only one square meter. You won't believe it. He goes through all the detail. I can't wait to bring it to you. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day, everyone, and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, and we're into episode 46. Well, as the weather hots up all around Australia at the moment, our interviews do as well. We've got John from Kippering up in Queensland, and he's got a great story for any pharmacy owner who's looking at aged care as a big opportunity in their business right now. It's We can tell by the statistics we're on a tsunami cusp of, of where we're going to be going with aged care. It's only going to get bigger and bigger as our baby boomers live longer and longer. So it's important that it becomes a category in our business that we have a good look at, but we really understand how we can scale that category. I wasn't kidding in the introduction, you can scale and grow this part of your business with little or no investment in stock, space, and also in terms of time as well, as you'll find out from John very shortly. But we'll get onto that very, very soon. Of course, last week we rounded out our series of our accountants, uh, where we've got where we had Peter from RSM Bird, and hopefully you've got the ability to put some KPIs in place for 2015 now, and you've isolated the important ones, but more importantly that you've got a system to measure them as well. There's no point having them if you can't measure them, and there's no point telling your team that you need to hit this KPI if you don't know whether you're going to be able to do that, um, and whether or not you'll be able to tell them that you've done it or not. So really important that you stick to that. And uh, we'll touch on that very, very soon in our fourth edition of our Pharmacy Freedom Index Summer Series around planning for your best year ever in 2015. So this week, we're going to be talking about innovation planning and change management. Now, it all sounds pretty boring when you put it that way. However, what we've done so far is we've asked our customers, our patients, our team and our partners of both a healthcare and a supplier flavor, and they've given us what they think will make our business a better business. As we discussed all the way back in episode 42 with Ivan Frangi, we need to understand whether our business is good. So the important thing that we need to be doing here is getting everyone aligned to our vision. Now, of course, we need to spend some time working out what that is for us. So we spoke about in in uh, the installment two around collaborative business planning, but also goal setting, both from a personal, professional, commercial, and even on your family level as well, and interjecting that into the overall strategy, because we need to be connected to it more than anyone else, but it's important that everyone else buys into it. So being able to do that has given us the ability to then be able to, in the installment three, set some KPIs of if we're going to do all of these new things or we're going to change this or do that, how will we know that we've achieved them? So we set some KPIs and there were some good examples that Peter gave us last week which goes right across your business. But if you've got a specific thing that you want to integrate, whether it be aged care as we talk with John today, you need to know what your key metrics are to know whether you've achieved them. So now on to installment four in innovation planning and change management. This is where we're going to be deciding what we're actually going to do. We know what the metrics are. We know what the strategies are. But as we all know, we can't do everything. And if we try to do everything, we'll look a little like the three stooges. We'll get stuck in the door, we'll do everything half-baked, and nothing will get done to a higher level of quality. So we need to focus. 
So my advice here is to return to your Trello board. We spoke about that tool early on as a tool for you to actually put up all of those collaborative ideas in one place where you can get people to vote on them. So hopefully by now people have voted on them and they've moved them up the list so that you can see what are the highest priorities across your network. And then, of course, you have your ability to interject your opinions, but also I advise that you hold a virtual advisory meeting. As we spoke about the changing role of an accountant, this is another opportunity to take the financial data from your accounting system. And of course, if you're not in cloud-based accounting, you can still do this, but you will need to use a tool or so to be able to do that. Now, I'm not suggesting that you never meet with your accountant one-on-one -on -one again. However, sometimes they can be really, really hard to set up, particularly if your accountant isn't in the same state as you, as I know a lot of pharmacy clients are. So it's important <clears throat> that we actually enable that, that possibility to happen. So there are some tools that can be used very, very simply. Uh, probably the simplest one would be Skype. Um, Skype is a very, very easy voice message and instant message and video message platform, and it's great for one-on-ones. So if you're just going to have a one-on-one -on -one with your accountant, that's what I'd be recommending you doing. And you can share your screens on that time, so you can share information. But if you're going to go a next step above then and you get more people involved or other team members, I suggest going to join.me. Now, these tools for all of us who have done the five prescriptions for a stress-free holiday this summer, you'll be very, very familiar with them um, as they are these platforms that I'm talking about. So if you want to know how to use those tools, I had some great how-to videos in that series, which you can access if you haven't already from robertstar.com forward slash stress-free holiday. And you'll be able to hold those virtual advisory meetings uh, to discuss the business resource requirements of what you're planning on implementing. So once you've had that, then you need to really have a good chat with your team. Now, you might want to take your key management team initially and talk about what you've come up with from your advisory meeting and what you're planning moving forward just to road test some of the ideas because they might not always be at the top of that Trello list of what everyone's uh, voted on. Um, so it's important you road test that. So that can be done through a similar platform. Or it could also be done through, as we've talked about on the show, and I'll put these links in the show notes, perhaps through a podcast where simply you could just download your thoughts into your voice memo recording. And we actually touched on that again in the five prescriptions for a stress-free holiday as well. But you can actually download that and circulate it to a small group or your whole team down the track just to get a bit of a, uh, I guess, a flavor as to what people are thinking. And you could probably use SurveyMonkey as we did in module one um, to be able to get people's feedback on that as well. Now, you might be thinking this is a whole lot of meetings, a whole lot of discussion. Why is it all necessary? Why can't we just go ahead and do it? Because it's so important that you have your whole team buy into it. You can't do all of these changes and innovations yourself. It's impossible. You can't be that superhuman that does everything. You need to have everyone tied into that vision, as John will talk to you very, very soon about how he did it. And yes, there were a couple of team members of his who didn't quite buy in. And of course, they didn't stay around. So it's important. And it was only, I think, a couple, as he'll tell you, um, you really need to look at to make sure that everyone buys in so that you don't have a mass disconnection. So once you've got the whole team together, and it might be through a meeting, and as we've suggested earlier as well in 2014, to get your whole team together for a meeting is almost a near impossibility. Whenever I'd tried it, we'd only ever got 25 to 30% of our major key number of staff and it was always the same people over the time so if you're happy with them diluting your message out to everyone else even to the people that work once a month once a fortnight and so forth then uh, then just the standard meetings will probably do you but I think you should be able to complement that with either the podcast or even hosting a virtual team meeting which I'll put the link in the in the uh, show notes again which was done through go to webinar
which is a again an, another one which you can do as a free trial um, and um, it's a very low cost for trying to get everyone together rather than having to rent out a big room at night time and having a big dinner function for every type of meeting that you're going to have as well. And as we spoke about last year, to get the minimum engagement of uh, people, you obviously have to get them in there for three hours, which is a very big cost to the business. So you can save money, but you can bring it into a more flexible, and I dare say, as I've found, a more convenient platform where people can literally dial into this thing at a time of their choosing, at a place of their choosing. Anyway, enough on the tools. So it's just important that you have your changes in the innovation reflect your core vision and mission. So we believe we've been able to achieve that through number two when we did our collaborative business planning because we got our respective partners and our customers and our team members to all download their thoughts into that survey that we've now got. So we should be in a position now to be able to plan what we're going to do out. So Trello can help you plan. It's a good project management system. You can put times and dates in there as well. If you don't want to use a system like that and you haven't been already, just use a standard spreadsheet. That's fine. Uh, but just be aware that by using a spreadsheet, you need to manually update all the information. Whereas Trello, you've got the ability for, to, for people to collaborate and also add comments and vote things up and you can see the trail all the way through. And it's free too. Um, but at the highest level, if you're going to start doing some multi-level project management, I'll put a new project management tool in the show notes for you to have a look at, which I use myself, which is called Teamwork. And it's got the ability for you to re really drill down to a microscopic level of what is required to get a certain task done and also a certain process and a project done. And the great thing about it is, is that you can see accountability all the way through and it enables you to delegate efficiently knowing that the whole process is mapped out really strongly. So that I'll put in the show notes. So enjoy that and look forward to uh, having a look at what you'll be doing next week. Now, next week, we're going to be talking about a marketing plan because once we've actually got all these changes in place for the betterment of our patients, it's important we tell them. And marketing is a conversation you have with your patients when you can't have them in front of you, which I dare say is the majority of the time. So I know you're going to get a good benefit out of that. However, if you want to jump ahead and do a 360-degree opportunity analysis of your business before we get to the end of this series, then head across to robertstar.com forward slash Pharmacy Freedom Index, or just simply go to pharmacyfreedomindex.com. Take the test. You'll have a downloadable report highlighting your rating in nine critical areas of your business in just seven minutes. You'll also get the Transformation eBook and access to the Transformation Workbook to help you make it happen and the community to support you and kickstart your journey. Now, of course, if there's some deep diving you want to do after that to make sure you can map out your implementation so that it can be put into practice successfully, then hit the book in for a consult button at the end of that. And I look forward to visiting you and helping you maximize your success in 2015. Our interview today is with John Tawadras. He's the managing partner of Think Pharmacy Kippering, where he and his partners have achieved over 300% growth in their dose administration aid business over the past two years with practically no overhead cost increases. John Tawadras, welcome to The Transformation Show. Thank you very much. It's well, a pleasure to be here. Fantastic, John. And look, it's great to have ha have you on. And uh, hopefully, your weather in Queensland somewhat better than us in Melbourne. It tends to be. Uh, but I, I look forward to taking our listeners on a great journey and uh, it's always great to have a fellow pharmacy owner on and uh, I think your journey is a particularly special one over the last two years so I look forward to following that. Absolutely, yeah. And John, I always like to start with a story. You know, how did you first get involved, I guess, in pharmacy and um, you know, tell our listeners a little bit about how technology has played a role in uh, you know, recent times in developing in your pharmacies? Okay, well, um, I personally did my training in New Zealand and Auckland and um, when I came to Australia, I, I was coming with the, with the view to, to learn as much as possible um, uh, in terms of business and how business is actually changing over here in Australia. Um, 
uh, I uh, did stints all over all over Australia, from New South Wales to Victoria, and country-wise. And yeah, I've settled over here in Brisbane. Um, in terms of technology, I've had. Um, uh, I started off in, uh, when I was doing my internship in a very small pharmacy in Sydney, which uh, was pretty old school, um, little dispensary, little shop. And uh, as I moved around, um, uh, I was actually the very first time that I worked with a robot was uh, in Victoria, in a very uh, in a very small town in Victoria. And uh, that was absolutely magnificent. And I thought it was the bee's knees but um yeah when i moved up here in queensland and i started working with with think pharmacy um uh, that uh, got put down very much much down the list because of all the technology that is actually available to pharmacy these uh, these days and it's absolutely wonderful to see uh, um the ease of work that that it does and uh, and how it actually um, helps a manager or an owner to to grasp a lot more um, uh, hand, uh, a handle on on the business itself. Um, yeah, over here in uh, in Queensland, I, I've managed to to really keep all my fingers uh, in all the pies that are in the pharmacy and and to really understand what the business is doing at any particular day. So it does, it's not. Uh, on a monthly basis or a yearly basis, it's on a daily basis that you know exactly what's happening to your business and whether you're performing or not. So it's it's wonderful to see how technology can actually help us. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, you know, look, with with the changes that we've seen, particularly in the last uh, 15 years in Australian pharmacy, you really can't afford to be out of it for too long. And certainly if you take a holiday and you take your fingers off for a few weeks, it certainly leaves you in, in, a, in a bit of a spot of bother when you come back in terms of catching up where you are. So it's, it's fascinating that we can now you know, see our finances almost on a daily basis, operations, and uh, certainly we're going to take uh, our listeners on a great journey of, I guess, how that's panned out, particularly in the pharmacy that you're currently a managing partner of at Kippering in uh, in uh, Queensland. So, uh, John, I wanted to start off because a lot of our listeners are on a different level of their journey in terms of where they are in their business with dose administration aid some may have you know a particularly well-founded history in DAOs and they've had you know particular systems running and and we're going to we're going to explore that today but I guess in the current pharmacy that you're in at the moment in Kippering you know what was the pharmacy like two years ago when you first came into it? Um, well, we were working in terms of, uh, it, it was an old school pharmacy um, and that we had to have uh, quite a significant look at and um, and determine where we wanted the business to go and where we wanted it to grow. Um, as uh, when, when I first came, uh, we had a, a small amount of DAAs. We were working um, with uh, MPS. Which, which is uh, the the roll packs. Uh, as mentioned before, I was working all over Australia, and we were always working with um, a, a different type of packing, so Webster packs and APHS. Um, when I, when we when I personally came to to this pharmacy and had a look at at MPS, I thought it was going to be very similar to the other. To the other methods, but it, it turned out to be completely different. Uh, uh, and to be uh, completely honest, uh, it was a lot easier to grasp than than all the other systems. Um, uh, we started off with about 111 patients, and these are purely all community patients. It's not a huge number, and uh, we looked at that and we thought, well, uh, we've got an ageing population and the the population is only going to be getting older and they are going to be needing the help. Um, the government wants us to help them out. The government is providing um, incentives to, to work on DAAs. Um, uh, the government is providing incentives to work with veterans for their DAAs. And 
uh, it seems to be an untapped resource. Um, only a few pharmacies have really thought of it and t- taken that on board. And um, uh, myself and my uh, and other partners have been looking at it and uh, and thought, well, this is where we want to actually make it grow. Um, uh, we've uh, utilised that ideology in the way that we've done a research in the pharmacy where, where we, we've thought, well, if we're going to be going completely um, to the next level and we're going to be uh, proofing the pharmacy for the next 10 years, 15 years with all the changes that are happening in pharmacy, uh, then we're going to be needing a lot of technology in the pharmacy to protect us from all these, uh, from the, all these issues. Hmm. And, and it's interesting like when you go through that planning process because so many of us would have been in that space beforehand either when you buy a business or maybe a few years when you've started to see a particular niche come out in your community but can you, can you share with our listeners you know what kind of process you and the other partners followed in just planning around the demographic that you saw coming into that pharmacy and you know what you know, education you went through to actually decide what was going to be the right technology and, you know, did you go and visit any sites or review any of the other providers and how did you come up to, uh, I guess, make, making your plans moving forward? Uh, I personally was in a lucky position that I have been around and I have seen different methods of doing things. Um, to give you a little bit of background, the pharmacy that I'm in is attached to a medical centre um, uh, and the way that it was set up was that uh, the, the dispensary was out the back. Um, uh, there was a couple of steps to go up to the dispensary, that type of old-school look to a pharmacy. It was dark, it was um, dreary, and we thought, well, we really need to do, to do a bit of changes, a few changes here. And um, from experience, uh, the, the very first things that I thought was that um, we're going to need a forward dispensing um, a model, uh, a model where the pharmacist is available to talk to customers. Um, uh, and uh, we thought, well, what options do we have to help uh, the pharmacist be in the shop as, as much as possible rather than being behind a desk, stuck behind a computer all the time? And what we found was that um, having a robot, first of all, would uh, would increase our, our accuracy, it would decrease our waiting time um, uh, and allow us, allow all the pharmacists that we have on board to be able to be out in the shop and talking to customers while a tech is dispensing or an intern is dispensing and we're, we're checking uh, their work. Um, what we did after that was that we did visit a few sites. We, we, we looked at different options in terms of robots, and um, uh, I personally, as mentioned before, I've, I've had experience with one particular robot, which was the Goldman, and I thought that that was the bee's knees, but after seeing uh, rower, uh, the, what, what the rower had to offer, um, uh, we kind of went straight down that track straight away. Um, in terms of uh, the shop fit-out, well, we had to have a space, um, not an enormous space, but about uh, at two metres by three metres um, so that we can service as many DAAs as possible. Uh, the, the fact that we went with MPS was... One, because it was already in the pharmacy um, and from seeing the ease uh, of, of utilisation or the, how it actually worked online and uh, the software of it, it, it made me at ease that, that, that this was the best way forward. Um, and the fact that it had all the backing of uh, the guild and all those types of things actually put, put my mind at ease as well. Um, when when we did do the shop fit out, uh, the the space that we actually ended up with for MPS or for the DIAs was a lot smaller than than initially anticipated because 
we, we realised that we don't need that much space. All, all we needed was one computer screen and a space for that computer screen. Um, and from there, we've, we've managed to quite, uh, quietly increase um, our DAAs to, to triple the, the number that what, what, what we had, and, uh, and that was done in, in nearly uh, 14 months. Mm, no, it's, it's absolutely fascinating, you know, the, the growth that you've had. But just coming back a little bit, John, um, when when you were going through the so through the planning and fit out process, you know, we certainly um, we certainly covered that very well. But in terms of your and a lot of our owners will be thinking, well, when you make these changes with technology, there's always going to be changes in workflow, um, and that can affect individual duties of uh, staff members that are already in the business. So yep. ju- just to cover off on that side of it were there any changing roles in your business as a result of looking at these plans and did you plan to I guess inform those team members if they if they were going to have changed job descriptions of what was going to change and how did they how did they react to that well uh, there's always teething problems and uh, the 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 whole plan that we had was that we had to have all the staff members on board before we actually did anything. So prior to actually doing the shop fit, we sat down and we said, "Well, this is our. This is what we're going to be aiming to do in the future." And uh, bringing every single person on board, um, it, it wasn't an easy task, but it wasn't a difficult task either because everybody knew exactly. Uh, even though that there is change and there's always resistance to, to change. Um, everybody knew what they had to do and where they were going to fit in. Um, and uh, the business flourishes on that. And the, uh, I find that any good business, uh, you, you need the team that's around you to be to be like family. So when somebody is dropping the ball here, somebody else is going to pick it up and, uh, and we help wherever we can. Um, the fact that we did have all these changes it actually suited all of our uh, all of our staff members because whoever didn't want to be part of that team uh, kind of realised from that point onwards that they they were going to be needing to move on. Um, luckily, we only we, we didn't have uh, too many of those. We only had um, uh, two per- personnel changes. Um, but in saying that, it was a great way of actually discussing with the team what our business is going to look like, where we're going to be growing, and how we're going to flourish. So uh, teaching, uh, reteaching them, there wasn't much to reteach, but uh, the ideology had to be, had to change uh, significantly, and that ideology, uh, I'm lucky enough to have a team that that was happy to take that on board. Um, and I'm lucky enough as well that we had a team that wanted to lead and to show that we can do that. Uh, if people are very much resistant to change, well, uh, it's obviously going to be uh, a problem for, for the manager or the owner, and you would need to think about um, uh, changing of uh, change of staff yeah it's it's always interesting you know we find that there's really only two two methodologies and two uh, mindsets that come out in that scenario and that's either that the technology or the changes is seen as a direct threat to their employment and long long-term career or they view it as a sustainable change that's going to allow them to keep being employed and be in a business that's going to flourish moving forward and uh, as you say like it's very hard to find the I guess the right balance and weed weed people out from either of those two categories and uh, yeah. it's great that you've only had to encounter two personnel changes, but obviously it's probably galvanised your team much more um, moving forward after that point. It has, it has indeed, and uh, and as you said, it, it is a change of mentality rather than anything else. Um, uh, the technology is only there to aid you, and that's that's the brilliant thing that we found. Yeah, that even with 
all the the extra work that we're doing now because of uh, increased business um uh, the the team itself is uh, is actually at ease with doing it because of all the technology that we've got um uh, waiting times again I, 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 that's one of my major things that I that I love talking about uh, going from a six-minute wait on a prescription to about a minute and a half to two minutes is an enormous change, and it allows the people to actually um, talk to to the customers more, and and really makes them feel that they're at home, and that these people actually care for you rather than you're another transaction, and that's where uh, where I wanted to go with pharmacy rather than uh, a transactional base to having uh, a community uh, a community feel to the pharmacy itself and what do you think has been the greatest thing you've been able to not only benefit as a business as a pharmacist but also from your patient's perspective by being able to i guess reduce that waiting time and i imagine then that allows you to donate more time into the conversation and really listening and understanding their problems well, that's exactly it. Um, uh, understanding what the pa- where the patient is coming from and um, what their actual problems are, it, it puts them at ease that this person actually knows you and um, uh, the person in front of you uh, actually cares for you, uh, not purely about the $2 that you're going to be putting in their till. Um, it, it is uh, the, the, the feeling that... We have the time for you. We will be talking to you, um, even if we are extremely busy. We, we're still able to 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 find out about a, a previous ailment or um, a, a problem that you might not even have anything to do with pharmacy, uh, and you're able to actually discuss that with a with a patient. So, uh, as I told you, I've lived in country New South Wales and country Victoria, and that's the feel that you get in small towns and being able to replicate that in a in a city is uh, absolutely wonderful and rewarding to not only to the customers but to to the staff as well because they feel that they are part of that community yeah, no, look, absolutely fantastic. And you do hear a lot of uh, country town pharmacies having a very different feel to that hustle and bustle in the city. And quite often that, um, you know, work, that is workflow related too in that, uh, you know, we don't help ourselves um, and we quite often walk into pharmacies where, you know, you may have 20, 30 people waiting and uh, it's just quite manic and uh, it's, it's, it's not, there's a hot, not a whole lot going on other than uh, people going up and down steps and selecting products and it's a ve- it must be a very different feel that you ha- have now and um, as as our listeners may may already know um, I had the uh, pleasure of visiting your store um, last last month and uh, were able to see uh, your manager Brian um, and I'm still I'm still amazed as to the level of calmness that he had um, <laughs> in a time frame where you were on holidays and yeah. there was also one of your technicians away and uh, we'll go into a a little bit about obviously that how the impact has had in your business since uh, you made all of those changes but just purely from observing his face in that uh, 45 minutes to an hour was uh, remarkable well that, that that's exactly it and um, that's the feel that we'd love to replicate all across Australia that pharmacies are not a place where it's a two-minute transaction. Uh, I know that doctors might be very, very busy and they want to get you in and out as quickly as possible and that's where pharmacists come in. Uh, we cop a lot of slack in the, in the news about being expensive and all the rest of that type of thing, but for the service that we actually provide, we're, we're, we're pretty much underpaid and I'm sure that a lot of your listeners would actually agree with me in terms of if we are going to be going down the track of American businesses where it's reasonably just a large um, uh, warehousing type system, then yes, you are going to get your products cheaper, but you're not actually going to be getting the help or um, uh, the advice that you actually need to be getting. And we, we're in a place where we provide that 
uh, that advice in the best possible way and in the manner that you can understand and uh, or any patient can understand and actually feel appreciated uh, appreciated doing doing that as well so uh, it's it, it's wonderful to 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 hear that you you got the same feel that we try to replicate in uh, in the pharmacy and it means that that it's actually that that our business plan is actually working um, yeah. to, to to the way that we want it to work. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's not always just restricted to pharmacy. I think a lot of our listeners would have probably heard me talk about, it and they've quite often visited an Apple store themselves. And it's it's obviously a different industry, different set of products, but you can see in that environment as well because you've got the seamless technology working behind the scenes to aid and automate a lot of processes in their business. Is that none of the people in the blue shirts ever look flustered, ever look like they've got to go and run away somewhere quickly as soon as a customer comes up to them and things just work very seamlessly and that was very similar in my experience to you know what I'd saw when I visited your store in that uh, there wasn't a whole lot that uh, you know the customer had to suffer because of inefficiency that uh, the pharmacist didn't have to go and unpack a bulk pack of uh, medicines because it hadn't been unpacked from a previous few days that it was working very seamlessly so um we we're going to focus a lot of our discussion around DAAs. Um, yeah. So we'll come, we'll come back to that. But with, um, with that, and, and again, a lot of our listeners would have seen how, um, how that can work with quite a number of people in the pharmacy. Obviously, you came into that business and it was already uh, working with MPS, so you didn't have a lot of change managements in the workflow. But what could you tell our listeners were the biggest things that you noticed in increasing your capacity? You just mentioned that you tripled your capacity in uh, you know that 14-month period. Um, yeah. So what were the biggest challenges that you had during that period? And uh, was there anything that you would perhaps do differently um, if you had your time again? Well, uh, funny you should say that because the, one of the two personnel that decided that um, being uh, alongside us here isn't isn't going to be working for them was my um, the pharmacist that was doing MPS, um, uh, and uh, she was looking after the 120 patients. Uh, so we had to find somebody who was um, uh, who's reasonably onto it. Uh, and uh, willing to learn uh, and the funny thing is is that w- we actually took um, well w- we took somebody from a, uh, from another thing pharmacy who was uh, finding it difficult because of the working hours and um, her, her kids having you know she, she's a single mother with with uh, whose time time strapped pretty much, and uh, she was really looking forward to growing and uh, uh, and making sure that she's she's doing everything that she can. Um, uh, and uh, she knew nothing about MPS. She uh, hardly dispensed the script before, uh, and. Uh, luckily, with with the training that MTS providers, um, uh, she took about two weeks to get the ropes of what needs to be done. Um, obviously, again, there's always teething problems and uh, there's always problems at the very beginning until somebody's on their feet. Um, and uh, she took that on board and uh, she flourished. She flourished quite well. Uh, it was the fact that um, some somebody who wanted to take ownership of something and really make it their own and uh, and really help it to grow and uh, not just only that, she felt that it was her duty to look after the people that she was looking after. Obviously, she was working closely with a pharmacist. Everything is getting checked. All the legalities are being ticked. Um, but it was uh, enormously helpful that somebody who actually wanted to go into something, and there's, uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of people in the uh, that are looking for jobs at this point in time mm. that w- that would love to have something that they can actually call their own and actually go in there with all guns blazing. Um, when she did take it on board and when she, uh, she got on her feet. Um, 
uh, I would have loved to have her away uh, to go to to MPS to actually learn every little technique and every little thing about this software uh, and to actually see how it's all being made and done. That way she could actually grasp the whole thing. But uh, it actually ended up happening uh, a few a few months ago, anyways. Um, but yeah, so in terms of uh, in terms of learning, there, there was a lot to learn, especially that we were pretty much starting brand new in that part of, of the business. That it was a brand new person, ne- never touched MPS, um, and we had a brand new business plan. And uh, what we would have done slightly differently is that we would have made uh, the plan very clear from the beginning of how we're going to grow, how we're going to consolidate, how we're going to review, and then do the exact same process uh, on a on a quarterly basis and review on a quarterly basis. We were lucky enough that with all the changes that we did within the pharmacy, uh, people started getting very comfortable with the uh, with the people that are here, with uh, with all the the, um, uh, the staff members here, and they started listening to the to the things that we had to offer. Yeah, no, look, absolutely, and 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 also, John, it's a fascinating thing to just get someone up and running into a new new environment that they hadn't been in, and also embrace all of the other changes going on. But also from a patient's perspective, um, you know, to to grow and triple your capacity in in such a short time, um, there must have been some changes or a push within the pharmacy to to grow that. So, can you tell our listeners a little bit? about how that patient journey changed, I guess, with those changes? And did you focus any of your marketing or any of your in-store processes around getting as many patients into your DAAs? Because I think that's probably going to be a burning question for a lot of our listeners at the moment is, um, did patients just automatically ask you for DAAs or how did you change, I guess, your model of care to, to go down that pathway? At the end of the day, Robert, it's... Uh, I've worked on a numbers game. So uh, uh, in terms of the business, how we actually grew it, it was uh, approach uh, and how we approach the customer, um, finding out what is actually, um, uh, what the ailment is or what is so difficult about taking the medications and understanding the patient better uh, and offering the best service that we can to them. So uh, I know that this is probably something that most of um, your listeners would have heard before, but it's all ideology. If we have uh, the idea that uh, every single patient that comes into the door is a friend of mine, a parent of mine, or that that I'm going to do everything possible to actually help them out, they're going to feel that and they're going to appreciate that. And what we wanted to build within the pharmacy here is that, well, if if this was my mother, would I be telling her to go onto a DAA? What are the benefits of being on a DAA? What are the hindrances of being on a DAA? Um, what's the concerns with taking that on board? Uh, and you find that the more that you dive into that, the more that the uh, the more that the patient is going to understand. Well, he's not just trying to sell me something; he's trying to actually help me out with something, uh, and that's the thing that we found. Most of our patients, uh, as mentioned, are getting older, and with that comes uh, uh, that you're finding that they're not taking the medications as often as they should, whether it be a, a missed tablet here and there, or whether it be you know weeks upon end that that they haven't been taking the tablets, uh, that, uh, that conversation needs to be started somewhere. And uh, with the help of Guildcare uh, and the med screens that we were doing, we were able to actually identify people that aren't, aren't taking the tablets as they should. And with that, we, decided, we thought, well, okay, those are the people that we need to be talking to first. Uh, Secondly, we looked at 
all the patients that are taking more than six or seven medications and we put notes up on our dispensing program that you know have a chat to this patient in regards to a DAA it might be it might be helpful for them it, it's just the ease of mind it's uh, all the things that we're going to be able to achieve for them via doing the, a DAA uh, and after that there's always the, the follow-up so and the more people that you approach the more people that you are going to to get over the line and it's always an approach so it always it all falls back on the one thing and that one thing is your mentality going into the, that conversation if your mentality is standoffish that oh, i'm waiting for the no mm. it's always going to be a no but if you're going in there with the idea that i just want to help you if you say no well it, that that's fine that's fine by me because it's I'm just trying to help you in the best possible way, then more likely than not that you will find people actually taking you on board and saying, you know what, let's give it a try, let's see how well it works. If it works well for me, I'll continue on it. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And and as we spoke about a lot on this show, it's really not about the technology. If the technology is there that can help you in that process in that you're discussing, you're understanding what the key patient issues are and the technology enables you to fulfill that in an efficient manner that delights your patients, then it's fulfilled its obligations to you in the technology's case. So I think it's really important that we, that we understand all of that before you just simply just say, oh, it looks like a lot of pharmacies are making money from DAAs, we should do it too. As you said, it's got to be ingrained in your DNA of how you're actually going to approach each patient and, you know, ultimately carrying, carrying that through. But also, John, what, what did the patients tell you? Um, because, you know, obviously like that, that philosophy must resonate very, very well with them. And have they given you some feedback, you know, once they've gotten into that process with um, the DAA and in this case through MPS? Um, what have they seen as the major benefits for them? Well, it, the, the major thing that, that they actually find is that, one, they love talking to the one person that knows everything about, about their medication. So they've got the one point of contact um, in terms of all the medications. They don't have to be swapped over from this person to that person to that person to that person just to get to the bottom of, uh, of a particular issue. The doctors love the same thing as well because when they're going to the to the doctors, they're, they're actually going about an, a, a particular ailment and they have the list of all the medications that they need. Um, they have a list uh, of, uh, of the prescriptions that they need um, and they, the doctors know for a fact that these guys are actually taking their medications. So... Uh, first of all, they're the better in terms of their health because they are actually taking the medications when they're prescribed and how they're prescribed. Um, they feel that they're connected to somebody within the pharmacy um, uh, and they love the ease of it. Um, it's amazing to find out that um, when I did the numbers just a few days ago that uh, um, only 2% of patients have actually fallen off our uh, numbers and one um, percent of that was uh, due to due to death. Mm. So uh, it's it's amazing to see that you know people are actually happy with the service that we're providing and they're happy with uh, with the actual um, uh, with the actual method that we we're, that we're providing the DAA uh, and they love the ease of it. That at the end of uh, at the end of the day. Every fortnight, something shows up to their door. Um, they feel that it's very personal. They feel that it, it, it's literally having a pharmacist at home with them at all times. That, you know, all I need to do is rip the sachet, open up the tablet, uh, open it up and take, take my tablets, which is absolutely great in terms of their mental health and, and to actually understand that, no, I've got everything that is in there is actually what is prescribed and how I want it to be in there. So yeah. it, it, it makes an enormous difference to them in that way. And the other thing as well is that we never um, 
promise that we're going to do something that we can't actually provide. So when we tell them that no, you are going to be that a pharmacist is going to be available to you, you know, an hour of each month, there's always a pharmacist there for them an hour of each month. Uh, we always love calling our customers and making sure that everything is going okay, just to ensure that uh, that everything is going well for them. Uh, and going above and beyond, although it might take an hour of our time, it still makes an enormous difference from the patient's point of view that these people, again, actually care for, for me. They're not just saying that they care for me. Absolutely. And I reckon that's a great segue, John, too, that the next thing I was going to cover with you was in terms of the process in store, because certainly the benefits to the patient are hugely significant. Brand confusion gets removed, compliance is removed, and it's literally just, I need to have this sachet at 8 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 6 o'clock, whatever the intervals might be. But in store, how do you create that time that you can then spend, you know, one hour per month with each patient? Um, You know, there's obviously a lot of administrative processes that come about when you do deal with those administration aids, whether it be getting medication charts, lists from the doctors, whether it be getting prescriptions, claiming the prescriptions, making sure the stock's replenished, making sure the numbers are correct so that you always keep, keep your levels up to date and all of those things. So how do you, how, how is, um, I guess, using the outsource provider, in this case being MPS, how has that helped you create that time? Well, uh, that that was exactly what I was going to say. MPS has made it uh, an absolute wonder to to be able to do all that. And with 360 patients that we have now, um, we only take 80% of the person that does MPS's time. So we're not even at capacity yet in terms of... um, uh, the the number of patients that this person can actually handle. The way that it does it is absolutely wonderful. So MPS allows what we call dot dispensing, which is literally uh, a system where HealthStream or the software that you utilize for MPS talks to your dispensing program and it automatically um, prints off the repeats labels them does the whole does the whole thing and uh, the fact is as i told you when i did the the reset it was only uh, a, a very small area of the pharmacy that we utilize because i don't have to carry stock it's all um done virtually by by mps so there's a virtual medicine cabinet and when that runs low then it, it prompts you that you need to put another prescription through and when you do put that prescription through, that that uh, virtual medicine cabinet gets replenished. So uh, th- these little things that MPS has come up with are an absolute wonder, and that's what sets them apart, uh, in my opinion, from from all the other providers. That uh, the ease of use is is incredible. Mm. Um, being able to only utilise eighty percent of uh, her time allows that other 20% for her to be in the shop and being able to be in the shop means that she's in contact with more patients uh, and she can see and talk to people where they know that they can get that level of care, that extra level of care that that we provide with, with the DAAs. And what time would you estimate that she would spend on DAAs each week? I think we all would have our own magic numbers in our mind of how many technicians, how many pharmacists, but what has been, I guess, your experience for that 360? So we do them fortnightly. So um, it's about 180 patients a week, and that would take about 30 hours of her time in terms of all the changes that need to be done, all the paperwork that needs to be done, um, uh, everything, everything administrative, uh, administrative um, would probably be about 15 or 16 hours of her time. The rest would be changes. And the rest of the time, she's just out there talking to customers, making sure that, again, uh, uh, the level of care is actually kept up to scratch. 
Yeah, no, they're fantastic, and it's such a change from what I think most of us would be be experiencing um, with, uh, you know, perhaps similar systems or perhaps older types of systems. And um, you know, ultimately, the, the efficiency comes to the benefit of the patient, as you've mentioned there, being able to, you know, dedicate that one hour per month and actually have a lot more inpatient contact as well. That's it. And in terms of pharmacist hours, well, when you are checking. The, uh, the, machi- the, the machine-made um, roles, it's literally just a, an overview. It's not an in-depth making sure that there's no jumpers, there's no things like that. You, you are quite confident that it, it is going to be right. Um, nevertheless, we do still need to check them, and you do check them, but in terms of doing 180 of them on a weekly basis... It's hardly any any time at all that you need to be spending on that compared to the to to the Websters where you would spend a, a good five to ten minutes on each particular um, Webster, which used to do my head in. To be honest with you. Mm. So how long how long do you reckon per patient you you would take to check a, a roll for for each one? Uh, literally about a minute and a half to two minutes. That's if it's more than seven or eight tablets that that the patient is taking. Yeah, and in terms of error rates, have you ever noticed that some have come through and, um, you know, if you've had to send them back, how quickly can they be adjusted? In terms of errors, in my two years that I've been working here uh, with them, I've had two errors and those were sent back uh, because because of that. Um, uh, they send them. Uh, we were lucky enough that we have an agreement with MPS that uh, they send them back same day or the the next day. Mm. Oh, fantastic! Now that's always one of the uh, the biggest um, things that we consider uh, when changes need to be made outsourced. Is you know how quickly can they come back? And obviously, we're mm-hmm. talking more about community DAAs, which tend to have lesser frequently less frequency yeah. in changes but in aged care it's certainly much higher and plus even if there is a manual change that needs to be made so a patient goes to the doctors they've all, we always tell them to keep the role with them um, when they do go to the doctors just in case that there are any changes and changes don't take that long so uh, five to seven minutes for for a, quite an extensive change for a fortnight a fortnightly role is quite normal for us. Yeah, yeah. And, and John, having seen like that growth um, over that two years, which is quite remarkable. When you, when you, I'm sure you stand back and look at that, you know, what what do you see on the on the horizon there? Like, uh, you know, when we when we consider the technology that you've used, you've got a dispensary robot. You're using outsourced DAAs with efficient admin technology to assist you with all of that. You know, what can you see coming next? And I, I guess looking forward, what would be the biggest game changing technology that if you could remove even time and resources, would you love to implement uh, today? Uh, uh, when, I, when I was in Europe um, not too long ago, actually, the, there was um, an amazing machine that I saw. Uh, it was um, uh, a machine that uh, any time of day and night, you can pretty much put your prescription on uh, in the machine um, and a pharmacist would come up. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, you'd you'd be able to actually speak to a pharmacist remotely, whether if it's at 2 o'clock in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning, um, uh, and the pharmacist would look look at the uh, prescription, he'd be able to dispense it for you, and it's kind of like a vending machine. But I think that that's a little far away from us for the time being. Um, uh, (laughs) But but in saying that, that, although that, that detracts, from our personal um, one-on-one time with our patients, but it'd be great for mothers that need that particular item at you know 11 o'clock in, at night for for a baby that's sick or uh, or something along those lines. 
So, yeah, no, ab- absolutely. When you, when you consider it, you know, it's really a shift in our role and that our role in supply and uh, data entry and so forth is just about over and, um, you know, we're shifting to that advisory role. And uh, if you can utilise the technology as you have done very well, um, it really does give you the amount of time to be able to fulfil that role rather than, I guess, getting stuck in the middle. That, that, that's exactly it. So the days of us being... Um, Dispen- our own dispensing robots where we need to go to the shelf and pick up the product, making sure that it's the right product, correct everything. Yeah. The, these things are, are being diminished and the time that you need to be spending on that is, is diminished so that you can actually spend time to, to the, with the customer for that advisory role. And I'm guessing that that's what the government is attempting at doing with all the guild care and and all the things that you needed to do in terms of that to, to ensure that your pharmacy is still viable. Absolutely. No, look, it's fantastic. And John, it's been an absolute pleasure today. And, um, you know, we look forward to following your journey. It's been an amazing two years for you and your partners. And uh, I can't wait to see what comes up on the horizon for you. And uh, we look forward to following your journey in the future and uh, having you back in the not too distant future also. Thank you very much, Robert. It was a pleasure talking to you, mate. What a great example of a pharmacy owner who committed to a future strategy, infused it amongst his partners and his team, and executed for fantastic results. My three key learnings, well, there's a lot to take out of this, and I think every one of us should look at this type of example and think we can achieve this in our business. We're all about creating a smarter, more successful 21st century business, and this is one strategy that if you do have a large opportunity, and as John mentioned, you can tap into your Guildcare database, and that'll tell you how many patients qualify for dose administration aids. This is one strategy you just simply cannot afford to be without. So the first one is all about the planning and future-proofing your business. John and his partners outlined a sustainable strategy and they wanted to future-proof their business through shop fitting and introducing technology into their business and was able to actually execute that with terrific results. But it wasn't without its challenges of being infusing the plan with the whole of his staff, making sure they understood it, managing the changes dedicating a specific area, not too much size, for a particular component of the business being dose administration aids and executing fantastically. So, so important that you share your vision with your team and that they buy into it. John had a few personnel changes, which was important in the overall scheme of things, particularly given that one of those team members happened to be the pharmacist managing the dose administration aids prior to the changes. But such a significant one that he was able to change his workflow, replace that with a dispensary technician and get a fantastic workflow and results amongst his pharmacist team, which is absolutely sensational. Number two is about the process. So you really need to understand how you're working now and what you need to be looking like when you implement successfully. It's so important to make sure you're maximizing all the levels of efficiency available and that you don't simply just take an outsourced dose administration aid provider like MPS, and there are a number of others, and just simply insert that into your old workflow and still have large amounts of administrative processes in your business and not actually ever exiting out of them. What we spoke about with John was about his strategy of really making sure that he understood his patients better and offered them the type of approach that you would offer your mother, your father, your grandparents, and really infusing that whole culture into the business, which basically meant that he had to become more operationally efficient. To deliver a remarkable model around that, you have to create time somehow. And the only way to do that is becoming really operationally efficient. And in John's case, he was able to tap into some great administrative processes and programs provided by MPS to allow that to come to fruition. Otherwise, the guarantee that he was giving his patients of having an hour with the pharmacist every month and providing follow-up and deliveries and so forth, they just wouldn't have the time to execute on it. It just would be too expensive in order to do that. So it's so important. And that taps into the third learning, which is really about capacity and looking forward. They were able to 
look at their capacity of 360 right now and actually think, well, we're not full right now. We can continue to roll this model out and it's really easy to utilize all of the different processes, whether it be linking your dispense to a clinical system that allows you to automatically print repeats and to dispense and manage your stock virtually and also prompting to actually refill up and also follow up with your patients. And at the same time, making sure that you also have lesser time to check the um, dose administration aids as well. John gave his example of he went from checking Webster packs in about six minutes per patient to going to one to two minutes per patient, which is a significant change in investment. There's been a lot spoken about recently about a pharmacist's obligations around checking dose administration aids individually, but it's so important that that process becomes more efficient as well, but also accurate to minimize that as well. And of course, he's looked at his errors over the last two years, and it's pretty, pretty minute as well. So really, really important. And as John forecasted around what he'd love to be looking at moving forward, he's always able to continue to collaborate with his medical center and also with his GPs, but also having the capability of providing a remarkable experience to his patients, which is, I think, what we all should be striving for. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Transformation. Don't forget, we've got some great interviews coming up. If you've ever thought of what complementary services you could offer to your patients to support them on their health journey, then you're in the right place for next week. We've got Anthony Huxley from Covered Australia, and we talk about these supportive services that can help patients save time and also get a better result on their health journey. But also, it puts you as the pharmacy owner and pharmacist right in the centre as that community hub. I know you're going to love that. And also, my favourite... Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas has been on again this month and a couple of colleagues have headed along and have been filling me in on all of the juicy details, which I hope to bring to you in the coming weeks as well. They're travelling on the way back from the US, but as soon as they touch down in Australia, I'm going to have them on the show. So I look forward to bringing that to you as there's such great opportunity around some new innovations and mobile health in particular coming up in 2015. Have a great week, everyone, and I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye for now.